Father, help us today. As we once again look at your word, as we look at it together, and we share thoughts of that after today, help us to honor you with this time together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's good to be with you this evening. I feel like I've graduated. I've gone from Wednesday night to Sunday night. Uh, so this is my my graduation night. Uh, no, I appreciate op- the opportunity to to help when I can, and it is just great. Uh, I normally preach about every other week someplace, either Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. So I I, I don't, you know, I don't. I can't lack for a place to speak anymore, really. Uh, it's just been good. Uh, when I came the first six months, I kept telling pastors, I don't think I can do this. Because nobody trusts you the first six months. And so uh, after that, uh, things started to get a little busier. And, and I enjoy it, uh, along with uh, four kids living in four states. Um, and ministry, it, it keeps Libby and I hopping. Of course, she's, uh, I won't use the words that I normally use, but she's in Mississippi working on the house uh, this week for, for the next, uh, about another week, and she'll be back. She, we, she inherited a house in Mississippi when her dad passed away, and our son Drew is living there. Um, well, he's not currently living there, but he, he lives there when he's in Mississippi. Um, but... Um, I don't know since I don't know since the last time I've talked with you. There might have been a lot of changes in our family. Uh, Lane and Jen are still in St. Louis, but will be moving to Davenport, Iowa, uh, so that she can go to Palmer Chiropractic um, in Davenport uh, in October, November time frame. Um, so that is new. That that even happened. So it's brand new. So uh, she likes. Uh, as they visited both Logan and Palmer, she liked Palmer, and so she, that's where she's going to going to con- continue her studies. So pray for Lane that he can get a job uh, that will help them. Uh, that's kind of a change. Um, Drew, I know this is a change since I spoke last. Drew, uh, last October, decided he was going to join the Army National Guard. And so he con- currently is on the... Arizona-Mexico border uh, in his AIT training. Um, and so uh, uh, he will, uh, he is studying uh, to be a drone pilot. Um, and so uh, I'm not sure whether he had permission to put his, fa- his, his girlfriend's Facebook page put up. I think they were sitting in front of replicas of the drones he's going to be flying but the one they shot down in the uh, Straits Formosa are the, are the are the drones he's going to be flying uh, there some of them are as large as 737s uh, and they carry all kinds of stuff cameras and other things like that so um, but uh, but anyway um, that has been a change and he will be uh, hopefully back in Mississippi in September uh, doing his deputy sheriff's job uh, Sean, probably I've talked to you about Sean since I've been here. He, he's in um, 
Adel, Iowa, and he is uh, part of a church plant in Adel with Eric Trout. Eric was a youth pastor in Robinson when we were in Oblong. Eric discipled Sean one-on-one on Wednesday mornings during Sean's senior year. I wanted somebody else to breathe into Sean's life. I knew he was probably going in ministry, so I wanted somebody else to have influence in his life. So uh, Eric did that for a year on Wednesday mornings before school. And so uh, John, uh, Sean has joined Eric and two other pastors. Uh, they have four ministerial staff, and they haven't even had their first official service yet. Uh, so... Uh, um, three of the four are working full-time outside of the plant, and um, I'm hoping that we can have a connection with them during our annual meeting this year. Um, by the way, don't let Dwayne forget to put the annual meeting on October 6th on your calendar. I, I joke with him all the time. He said, when's the annual meeting? I said, it was last week. One time. <laughs> and so, uh, but anyway, uh, um, and then, let's see, where am I? Sean is number three. I have to do numbers. One, two, and three. Number four uh, is in Arizona. Uh, she came back for a month, um, May to the first week of June, uh, for a wedding. And then she went back to Arizona uh, to the Phoenix area and is uh, completing um, her degree in psychology at Grand Canyon University. Um, she has just been approved. Uh, this is hot off the press. She's just been approved for um, an internship that may turn into her internship for her spring semester at a horse ranch that deals with um, emotional and physical need, needy children. So be praying about that. If that's what she needs to do, she's always loved that field. And so if she needs to do that, pray that God that'll work out. Uh, so that's our family. Um, since the last time I was here. Um, if, you want, if you brought your Bible, I hope you did, uh, brought your Bibles, look at Matthew chapter 27. We're going to be, I, I am fascinated, I hope you are too, with the crucifixion. Um, what happened there? Um, and as we pick our story up uh, in uh, Matthew 27, uh, Jesus is almost dead. Um it's very clear to everybody that he's, he's struggling, uh, maybe a few more minutes. Didn't, they didn't know how long he would go. Um, of course, he had been beaten by Roman soldiers, um, and then he carried his cross uh, to the place of the killing, um, killing fields of, uh, of Golgotha. Um, and uh, he was... Put on a cross between two criminals. At nine o'clock, that crucifixion time started. Uh, nails, hammers, screams, uh, smell of blood in the air and death in the air, blood oozing, dripping, sweat rolling off of all the bodies, people watching, talking, laughing. Can, can you imagine people standing around just having chit chat conversation when guys are hanging from from those things? This was. I'm also, this was a normal day for these guys. Um, the only difference between this one and most of them is that he had a title above his body, uh, Jesus, King of the Jews, 
And, um, you know, the, the guards and some of those around him were laughing and saying, hey, if you are the king of the Jews, uh, why don't you come down from there? Uh, and uh, little did they know that he was going to come out of something more spectacular than the cross. Um, as we as we go and transition three hours later, there was a total darkness encompassed the the area. Um, uh, then for those that three hours at three p.m., the sun came back out. Uh, it's kind of unusual. Uh, can you imagine somebody um, coming, looking at the sun after three hours of an eclipse? Well, what they would call an eclipse. I call it the hand of God. Uh, and, uh, and I'll talk more about that. Um, then all of a sudden, after that happened, he, he was gone. Um, two other men, apparently still alive next to him, um, it's fascinating when the when the gospel writers talk about him being gone. Um, they talk about the phrase he gave up the spirit, uh, or Mark and Luke said he breathed his last. Um, we need to remember that in that those words are stressing that it was a voluntary giving up. Not a taking, giving up, um, and so uh, a unique character of um, Jesus's sacrifice gives us some some really interesting things that happened. And so I want to talk about those five things that happened at the crucifixion. I, I, you guys are guinea pigs. I'm working on this for now. I'm a guy that has to work a long time on a message sometimes, and this is one. So you guys, if you invite me back next uh, Easter season, anytime before Easter, you might get this one again. I don't know. Um, But I want us to look at five things that happened uh, at the time of the cross. If you would, in honor of God's Word, would you stand as we read? Matthew chapter 27, 45 through 54. At noon uh, until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I don't pronounce Greek words or Hebrew words, so I'll let you guys stumble over those. But I can read the English pretty good. Um, And then verse 47, and some of those standing by heard him say, and they thought he was calling out for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran up and gave him a sponge filled with sour wine, put it on a stick, offered it to him. Um, But the rest said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. But Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up the spirit. And suddenly... There was a curtain in the sanctuary that was torn from top to bottom. The earth quaked, the rocks split, tombs opened, and the bodies of many saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And they came out of the tombs after his resurrection and entered the holy city and appeared to many. And when the centurion and those around Jesus, who were keeping watch over him, saw the earthquake, saw the things that were happening... They were terrified 
and this statement was made, truly, this is the Son of God. You may be seated. First, uh, the first thing that happened, I've already talked a little bit about, and that's the darkness that hit. Um, Verse 45 says, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. All of a sudden, without warning, there was an eclipse for three hours. That people try to have tried to explain that as an eclipse. I just say I see the hand of God all over the crucifixion. I think that God probably reached down with the hands that He had that have done all kinds of things, and I just think He put His hand over the sun for three hours, and He caused it. He could have caused it with other things. But I just would like to think that, and this is mine, okay, I don't find any research that says God reached down with his hand and covered the sun. I believe that. I believe God caused this. Uh, one moment the sun was there, the next moment it's completely dark. There's, there's a, there's a, there's a icky black shroud all over the land. I think that's kind of maybe a symbol of what God saw when he looked at mankind. Icky. Right? When he looks down at us and sees, if he sees our sin, it's icky. It's eerie to us. To him, it breaks his heart. And I think at this point, after all the, the, the laughing and joking and all the stuff that happened at the time of the, the hanging of Jesus, I don't think anybody said anything. I don't think they were moving. Um, I think that, that, that it was just dark and they kept looking at their, their sundial. When is this going to end? And three o'clock, just as suddenly it went dark, it became bright. Isn't that like God? All of a sudden. People rubbed their eyes from, from the bright brilliance of the sun. There were probably some panic on some faces out of what had happened. Confusion when things like this happened. You know, uh, we all try to figure out what's going on, don't we? That has been mankind from day one. We all trying to figure out what's going on. We just can't do it. But think about some of the words that Jesus spoke. Father, forgive them. His last words were, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. You know, can you, can you think about the time that in his whispered cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?
when he was crying that, I believe he was agonizing that the moment Jesus was wearing my sin and yours. And because of that, now that we know Him, when we know Him, we don't ever have to ask, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That ought to make a Baptist shout. I like Isaac Watts' words, well, when the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in, when Christ the mighty maker died, for man the creature's sin. I love that. So the first incident, the event of the cross was the darkness. The second event was the torn veil. Look at verse 51, that first part. And suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary was torn from top to bottom. Everything in the temple from this point forward, past, had been telling people to stay away from this place. Right? To the point of when you walked up to the temple, there was a court of Gentiles. Then there was a court of women, then there was a court of men, then there it just there were barrier after barrier after barrier for people to get to the presence of God. And then when you finally got into that that next to most sacred room, there was a a thick curtain that hang, hung over the doorway. And only one person was allowed to go behind that curtain one time a year and carry in the goat's blood and sprinkle the seat and make atonement for sin. One person, one time a year. Everything about the temple screams, stay away, stay out. And this scripture gives us an indication that, once again, I believe God's hand was upon the tearing of the veil. Because it was not torn for where man could reach up to Him. It was torn from where He could reach down to us. Once again, it was... It's an example or, or a statement of God reaching down to mankind, mankind and opening Himself up to them. I think when the curtain was put up, it was there to show us the condemnation. But when Jesus Christ died, therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that's the transition. Before Mount Sinai, where Moses went, the laws were to tell us we could not, we could not keep a presence with God because we could not keep His commandments. But when the veil was torn, 
That was an indication for mankind that we could come into His presence and offer our own sacrifices to Him. Be very grateful for that. I think the torn veil says, Fear not. Don't let your sin keep you away anymore. God has opened the door to His presence, to Him, for you. The cross reveals the great heart of God. A heart that's filled with love. And when Jesus died, the Father was preaching a sermon without saying a word when He tore the curtain. Welcome! Welcome! Into my home. Into my family. The opportunity for us was there now to be a part of this family that God was establishing. The third event that happened was the earthquake. Look at the second part of verse 51. It said, The earthquake and the rock split. How many of you know that earthquakes are not good news? You've, have you heard any newscasts where earthquakes have happened and it's been good news? Not many, have you? Um, as I said, the... the the Mount of Sinai was the law that condemned us that we could not be saved. And we need to remember when, when Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive the, the, the covenant, the commandments from God, there was an earthquake also. And then at Mount Calvary, when Christ died, that welcomed men into His presence, there was an earthquake. How coincidental is that? When God is speaking, things shake, rattle, and roll. So I, I told you I might rock people's worlds. He asked me where I'm going to rock the world. I said, I don't know. It depends on where you're at. But I think it's pretty coincidental. When God spoke, there were very big acts of nature that happened. Anybody remember a flood? That's a pretty big act of nature, isn't it? Just coincidental that God spoke about that to Noah, wasn't it? How about the crossing of the Red Sea? Was that? That was a pretty big act of nature, wasn't it? Just so happened God spoke to Moses about that happening. It wasn't a surprise. And so the earthquake at Sinai reminded us that men could no longer approach God on their own. And, and the earth shook, and when the earth shook beneath the cross, it was a way for saying, at last the curse is being lifted. And yes, God wants to shake our world so that we're not the same as when we encountered Him before the earthquake of our life. What the law could not do, Christ did for us when He died in our place, paying the debt that He did not owe. I owe. The fourth miracle or event. 
verses 52 and 53. said, The tombs were opened, and bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And they came out of the tomb after his resurrection, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. If I were to tell you I could fully understand this, I would be lying out my teeth. I can only tell you what the Scriptures tell us. It's very clear that the earthquake split the rocks around Jerusalem, and many of those rocks were in front of tombs. Many of the saints, and we need to remember that saints is always a term referred to believers. So when somebody says that you're a saint, say, thank you, yes, God did that for me. Don't ever apologize for being a saint. Because it was none of your doing. It was all Him. But I'm looking at this scripture and and what I'm reading in Matthew says that the tombs opened on Friday. So Friday, Saturday, there were some open graves. Because it tells us that the saints did not come out until after the resurrection. So think about this. All around town. Now we don't know, I don't believe all the graves opened. I believe, I don't know how God chooses. I don't don't know how He chose you either. Because when I look out there, I think, how could He choose you? One of those criminals that gets on my tablet and takes a picture. I I forgot my picture. I was going to bring my picture and put it up here and I didn't do it of of those thieves that stole my tablet and took a picture of themselves. I just think that's a that's an interesting picture that not many pastors have preached on. Have you heard of a passage on Good Friday about the tombs? being open and has anybody heard somebody speak just about those tombs being open on I hadn't and until I started studying I really didn't understand the impact that God was telling us that even through the open graves he has conquered death he opened what should not have been opened right So on Friday and Saturday, there were open graves. And then Sunday morning, after he arose, they arose. And it says that they were seen in and around the holy city. Now I don't know about you, that would get me talking. If I saw somebody I knew had died and they were up walking around, what do you think? 
That would be worth talking about, wouldn't it? And as I said, the only thing I can get out of these graves being open is that it's a sign from heaven that death has been plundered. Death no longer has that sting that it used to have. And it was a pre-sign that there was going to be another resurrection to come. If he can do it once to one body, that's one thing. If he can do it to multiple bodies, that's another thing. But think about it. One of these days, every grave believer be open. There'll be a mass exodus to a new city, a new place. Those were four interesting events to happen, but I want us to focus the last few minutes on this event that happened. It's in uh, verse 54. It said, When the centurion and those with him were, who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake, saw the things that had happened, that they were terrified, and they said, This man was the Son of God. The only mistake that they made was not that he was but he is still. But to them, they were talking about what they had heard, what they had seen. This was. Don't we talk about people in past tense when they have passed away most of the time? That's what they're doing. I believe this is the greatest event of all. A man in charge of a group of men that played a crucial role in what what would be the, the death of the worst enemy of religion at the time. Those religious leaders worked tirelessly trying to get rid of this Jesus the Messiah. And a centurion... You probably know this. This has been preached about a lot. Is a, is a Roman century of a hundred men. So he was the, the captain or the leader of a hundred under him. He was an officer that was held in high esteem. He was a man of good character. He had been proven in his military record. He knew how to carry out orders. He was an expert in weapons. And military. Centurions just weren't any soldiers. They were the best of the best. Has there been other stories about centurions in Scripture? Do you remember a story about another centurion? 
It was in Luke chapter 7. And I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but it was... The centurion had a servant, and the, and the centurion came to Jesus and asked him to heal his servant. And Jesus said, no, I'll go with you. And, G- and the, the centurion said, no, just speak it, and it'll be done. But Jesus said, no, 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 I want to go with you. You know, normally when, when people that don't know him come to him, he normally spends time with them. I think. And yes, Jesus could have done the very easy thing, right? He just spoke and said, he's healed, just go home. But he, he wanted to spend time with the centurion. And, and this, the centurions were a small group of, of leaders. Um, if it was not the same centurion, it probably was one that certainly knew of what Jesus did to the servant. Wouldn't it be ironic if this was the same centurion? Wouldn't that be? It's so like Jesus to come back and visit people time and time again. Um... The centurion heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. He heard Jesus talk to the other the thief on the cross. And he said, Today you'll see me again. He heard Jesus cry out, it is finished. In Mark, the the scripture about the crucifixion there says that the centurion stood and faced Jesus and watched how he died. And then the centurion felt the earthquakes, saw the rock split. And I believe the events that led up to this final event gave the centurion a strength to say, this man was the Son of God. How is it like God to bring things into our lives that cause us to focus on a more intimate Jesus than we've ever known before? The events that happened. God, Jesus, touching the sun and darkness comes. The Jesus touched the temple and the veil was torn. God, through Jesus, touched the earth and the rock split. Jesus touched the graves and saints were raised. 
And Jesus touched the centurion. And he gave a testimony. The greatest miracle of all is not that of nature, but it's that of a changed heart. We know that God does them all, but our mission, our mission impossible if you choose to accept this mission, is for us to share who Jesus is in our life. Listen to me. It's not your job to share who Jesus is in somebody else's life. How many times do we want to share somebody else's testimony? How God changed this person or this person or this person. When He has asked us to share how He touched our lives. And some testimonies are more dramatic than other testimonies, aren't there? But, but there's nothing more miraculous than, than God coming into the heart of a six-year-old, laying on his bunk, top bunk bed, as opposed to somebody being drugged out of the, the depths of, of sin and darkness, doing all kinds of stupid stuff to their bodies and to other people and saying, I love Jesus. There's not a difference in my testimony and somebody else's testimony because God did it. I want to ask a question. I would assume that everybody here is a believer, but if I did that, then I would be assuming incorrectly because I don't know that. And so I'm going to ask you, have you ever looked at the cross? And said the gentleman that died on that cross truly is the Son of God. If not, tonight I want you to make that happen. Not for me. Because I'm not going to get on Facebook and tell you how many people were saved at Dorsal tonight. Because I'd rather your name be written in the Lamb's Book of Life than in one of my social media posts. But I'm going to share with you. You may have been a member at Dorsville for the longest period of time. Or you may not be a member yet. Some folks that are on the church roll are not on God's roll. Uh, I know I'm not sharing a new, some new... That's not a newsflash. I... It won't be breaking news on Fox News or anything like that. But have you come to the point of acknowledging that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for your failing? And you want to acknowledge that to people. Well, I would ask you to come. Uh, can can we have can we have a song? Okay. I don't know if we were ready for that or not, but.
Um, I'd like for us to have a song, and I know uh, they'll probably send me a bill for going over time tonight, but uh, that's okay, I'll pay it. Um, I just want to have some time where you can reflect. 